What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Well, hey, Claire. Hi, Flora. How's it going? I can't believe we're about to launch a podcast. I know. I'm excited. This is, it feels like a long time coming just in the ways that we've been working together for so many years. That's true. How long have we known each other? I think it may be five, six years, something like that. I think it's six. That was when I was working on my second book about the afterlife and I was done with the book and I had to add you as a chapter even after I had finished because I was pretty much done with the book and one of my best friends died that summer when I was working on it. And I was at her husband's house for dinner one night and he got an email from somebody who had gone to your show. And his wife, my best friend, had come through so strongly that this was a woman who had been a mom at my friend's school. And there was no doubt that it was my friend Abby. And I was, again, pretty much finished with this book. And I was like, wait, <laughs> I have to go see this woman. She's in LA and, and my friend has come through. And I somehow got an in with you really quickly. I came in, you had an opening, a random opening, even though you had a schedule. And your opening happened to be the day after Abby's memorial. I flew back from Boston and the very next morning I came to see you in your Culver City office. So crazy. And weirdly, I don't remember my shows all too often, but I have a very distinct memory of Abby coming forward. And it was a pretty small audience. I would say maybe 65 people. And I describe her and no one raises their hand. And I describe her again and no one raises their hand. And I'm like, man, I'm so, this one feels really important to, to land it. And it's not that often that it doesn't click for an audience member. And then finally someone did raise their hand and said, you know, well, I don't really know her that well, but that is a lady that just passed at my son's school. So I'll just let her husband know who knows. Right. And then I never thought of it again, really too much. Uh, and also, I don't think you had mentioned that to me in the email. I didn't say anything to you. I, I had been coming off of this journey of, I had seen about a dozen psychic mediums all around the world for the purposes of my book that I was researching. And I had been so meticulous. I had used blocked phone numbers and fake email addresses and paid in cash. I was really, really concerned about the mediums having access to my name because I'd published one book already and so many articles. I thought it would be so easy to look me up, see that both of my parents had died, whatnot. And so I used those same practices when I reached out to you. And I had never written about Abby or talked about her because she had just died, you know? So she was the first person that came through with you and my parents. And it was interesting because at that point in my journey, I had seen so many psychic mediums. Some were not great. Some were amazing. And I felt fulfilled in my quest of, of, of reaching the other side of, of, of wondering about mediumship. I felt like I'd gotten enough information and I, I had had enough awesome readings to feel like I'd connected with my loved ones and fully believed in it at that point. And then I went to see you and you were the best I'd seen of everybody. And you brought forth the most details. And I remember sitting there and weeping as you talked about Abby 
Abby, because you were talking about things that had just happened the weekend before, and she had been with all of us for the memorial. You talked about how it had been raining and how she'd written these letters that were to be opened that day. And I remember her husband had just showed me those letters the day before. It was really stunning. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. It's funny to me because I don't ever really remember my readings. So I always feel like when somebody tells me about their experience, I'm like, oh, that's that's really lovely. And I, I, it's, I kind of get to experience it again, which in this podcast has been one of the things that for me has been a new experience because I get to listen back to them and then listen to somebody's session with you and where their aha moments are. Because as a medium, I think often people think that you have the full picture and you really don't. You're just offering the information as it comes up. And so you just know what you get. And that isn't always the entire story. And right. oftentimes it makes sense to the person that you're saying it to, but you yourself are like, that sounds crazy. Or I don't know why that would be important, but for some reason it is. And so I think always hearing that feedback offers a really interesting perspective for me because you can see how it operates in the wider scope of grief and why it matters and how it helps and all the rest of it. Well, I mean, the same has been true on my end, working on this podcast with you and and hearing the sessions that you've done with people because as a, as a therapist and working in grief, you know, there's only so far I can go with people as much as they're willing. So I've heard things that you've brought forth that the people have validated that they didn't tell me about, you know, that they maybe felt guilty about or they weren't thinking entirely about or it, it went so far deeply into some aspect or some realm that we hadn't gotten to. So it's been really interesting to hear that flip side. And, you know, I, I've over the years, I've sent you many clients and there'll be people that I've sat with for months and months and, and they seem to be stuck in a certain place in their grief. Often it's something they're feeling guilty about or they're angry about, some unresolved piece. And there's only so much I can do. We can process it over and over. We can have these conversations. We can go through the what ifs. But when they come to see you and they get that that validation, that is the thing that shifts for them, you know? And so it becomes this tandem process of the work that I do with them and then the work that you do with them that I think completes like a real healing picture. Absolutely. And, and I do, for that reason, I do think it's a really long time coming that we've put together this podcast because it's such an authentic exchange that we have between the two of us where you will send me clients. I never know that they're your clients. They sometimes tell me afterwards or I'll, I've had quite a number of people also tell me, oh, I read about you in her book and that's how they come to see me. But I do think it's quite an authentic experience in that this is how we operate and we don't really talk about the clients, but I love that we're now getting to do it in such a way where it's not a made-up experience or we're not creating it for the podcast, right? This is just part of what we do. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think the the cultural perceptions of mediumship are changing, which I think is really important. And one of the things that I always remind my clients and even myself is it's not even that important to know for sure whether or not it's real. I think that the healing value of it comes in someone having a restored sense of connection, however that works. For me, it was really healing to work on my own sense of connection with with my parents that I've lost. And I've found that in many different ways, some of which through mediumship readings. But I think finding ways to stay connected to our loved ones rather than let them go is what is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, even for myself, haven't had, I would say, maybe as big of a loss as, if, as you've had. My parents are still living. Uh, but I do remember the first time that I got a mediumship reading myself that was really authentically mediumship. And I'd already been doing readings for two years up to that point. But from a perspective of I mean, people are seemingly resonating with it. They're thinking me, I feel like I'm doing a good job, but I still am really struggling with like, is this real? 
during the session, I could get to a space of like, yeah, it's real. I'm experiencing it afterwards. My rational mind would take over and I'd be like, I don't know. Am I just making this up? They seemingly, you know, I don't know, but had a reading myself with my mentor at the time. And it, it really hit a point within me. That's hard to, to express. Even there was that moment of, oh, wow. I'm not quite sure the words that you told me were the things that were important. It was the entire experience. It was the sense of like, it sounds like, you know, my grandpa, like, Sounds like he's right there. Not quite sure how you would know that. And for me, it was so interesting to be on the receiving end of it, having done it for so long. And I always go back to that sense for when I kind of get a little bit lost in the, is it real? Is it not real? My mind is biased. This is coming through my own perception, my own lens. So there's that element. I can't ever be rid of that, right? So it's hard to say with zero bias that the experience is real and authentic, even though it feels that way for me. So I go back to that often to go back to the feeling that it had and the closure that it brought, even closure I didn't know I needed or didn't realize where that grief was hiding, so to speak, where it touched. So I love that you say that because even as a medium myself, I often will address that for people when they're like, well, you know, how do you know it's real? And, and the, the answer really isn't isn't that I do for sure. No, I don't know. Um, it's a very real experience for me. I feel called to do it. I offer it. it. It couldn't be more real for me, but at the same time, from a rational perspective, it sounds a little crazy, right? So I I love that you have that perspective on it. I get that. So Fleur, what do you have to say to people who are like always trying to figure out if mediumship is fake and if you guys are you know memorizing stuff? I mean, even if you and I were sharing information, I just remember the first medium I went to see was John Edward. And I went to see him in a room full of 12 people, this like really intimate, small group reading on Long Island in a hotel room, like a ballroom at a hotel. And I had been so like curious and like thinking he was going to like look people up and memorize a lot of stuff. And by the time I came out of the reading that night, I was just like, there is absolutely no way. Like, it's just too much information. The level of detail, the amount of people he read. Um, I and I and I kind of just gave up on that idea. And then, especially since knowing you and just talking at length about it, um, I know you're like just basically too busy to even do that. You know, <laughs> like even if that were something you wanted to do, I can't imagine that you could or would. First of all, it really would be impossible. I have quite a bad memory. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you know that. That's definitely, I I understand it because I feel like when it hits in such a way where the rational mind bulks at the information, where it's like, this would change my perception of life. It would change what I believe. It would change how I built my life. It would change everything. The person may just refute the information by the very fact of it's too much of a Pandora's box. It's too much. I cannot have that be true in my life and my current reality be true in my life. The two could not coexist exist. And I think for that reason, not everybody has to believe, to be honest. I don't think that it makes everybody's life easier, to be very honest. I think there are some people who, whether you want to call it karma, what they're supposed to do in the world or whatever it is, would not be benefited by also believing in an afterlife, which is an entirely different subject. But the the idea of, you know, am I memorizing it? Am I looking it up? I think you giving a fake name for the readings is actually quite common. A lot of people, especially celebrities, of course, because the information is available online, will book their reading with just initials. So that's all I've got. Fake email addresses or, you know, things that wouldn't even be possible to trace if you were to want to trace them. And I think the things that people generally say after a reading that feels most impressive to them or it hits the hardest 
isn't anything you could find online anyways. Right, exactly. Personality, it's a little detail of what happened that day or um, the fight that they had or some sort of emotional aspect to the relationship that isn't shared online. So ultimately the details, although impressive from a fact-checking place, are not what creates the connection and that sense of coming out of the reading going, wow, I feel like I spent time with my family. I know just the ethics of it and I know that's not something you can always convince someone you have are ethical constraints, but I, you know, I very strongly have them and I would never spend my life doing this work without those kind of ethics in place. You know, I just can't imagine what the point would be. Um, I'm always trying to come from a place of healing and service to others who are going through pain. I think that my, my only hope for this podcast is that we are providing some kind of comfort and, and level of healing for all kinds of people. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it's a really interesting experience for the listener to be a fly on the wall, to get to listen in and in a very personal place with people that people don't usually share, which I think opens up that sense of shared experience. Hopefully people listen to it going, oh, wow, me too. I feel that way right? Little aspects of grief that aren't talked about a lot where you can be in deep grief with someone and miss them a great deal and also be really mad at them. You know, all those kind of difficult parts of grief that don't just have to do with missing somebody and wishing that they were there, like unresolved stuff, which I think we really do touch on in the podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited to to launch this with you and um, just excited to dive into more. Me too. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for being part of my life. Same. Talk to you later.